Welcome, Hoosier fans, to another emergency episode of the Assembly Call. As uh, oh, I forgot the siren. Shoot, where's the siren? There it is. There's the siren. <laughs> That's what we need. It's been a while since we've done one of these, but big news today in Hoosier Nation as Jalen Hood Shafino becomes the third recruit in the class of 2020 for Coach Mike Woodson. Cue the 50 cent gifts. Get excited because this is a big commitment uh, for Indiana, kind of the crown jewel uh, of this class, really. Huchifino, kind of right on the borderline of being a five star guy, right there, kind of the top of the four star category. We'll get into you know what his skills are, what he brings to the table. Uh, but he now joins with uh, CJ Gunn and Caleb Banks in what is currently a three man class uh, that I think I saw would be number five in the country uh, if Huchifino committed. Um, so, uh, you know, and obviously a very important commitment for a program that has struggled with guard play. And now when you look at Hood Shafino and of course, five-star Tamar Bates, who's a freshman this year, uh, not to mention five-star Christian Lander, who's obviously had an up and down time so far, but is very talented talent in the backcourt now no longer seems like it's going to be a problem, uh, in Bloomington. And uh, just a big commitment. A lot of excitement kind of carries on the momentum that Indiana really has had all offseason. You know, since letting Archie Miller go, the hire of Mike Woodson, uh, you know, was warmly received, obviously, as, you know, Thad Mata came and, you know, made some exciting announcements to the staff. All the players stay. You have all that excitement. And then the good trip in the Bahamas. And now this comes next. And it just continues uh, a really, a really fun, exciting offseason for Indiana basketball fans. And we're going to talk about it here on this emergency episode. Uh, the doctor, Galen Clavio, is here. Uh, I think Dustin DePirac may join us later. I don't know if Ryan's coming. I sent him a text. Either way, Ryan will either give us a scouting report now, uh, or you'll certainly get an in-depth one from him uh, on Thursday. But Galen, let me, uh, let me bring you in here. What's your initial reaction to the Jalen hood Shafino commitment? I think it just highlights that panicking in the first two months about whether a coach can successfully recruit is probably not indicative of what might happen in the future. I mean, look, this is a big recruit just in terms of number. Uh, I think 23rd uh, in the country, according to one rating, top 30 in another. He's a a clear four-star, probably borderline five. And that's a big deal under any circumstances. But I think also the fact that this is a player that, you know, Kenya Hunter was recruiting. Mike Woodson jumped on this immediately. I think uh, Jalen Huchifino said something like, you know, Woodson called him like right after he got the job and was like, hey, we're still very interested in you. Uh, you know, I think it highlights A, and that Zach Osterman had it in his piece a little bit as well in the Indy Star. Yeah, Mike Woodson can recruit. Uh, you know, that's that's not an issue. Second uh, guard of this caliber or close to it that he's been able to pull in. But I also think it it should hopefully silence everybody who was worried about some of those commitments that didn't pan out over the course of the summer. A lot of people were like, hey, you know, this this isn't picking up the way that we thought it would. And it just goes to show that you got to give a coach a little bit of time. Things are going to play out probably fairly well. And and it seems like uh, to to borrow the tweet that I just saw somebody put out, um, perhaps Indiana did not pay $10 million to get worse as, as we were uh, promised that they had by most of the national media. Oh yes. That's just, that's not going to age well. 
not going to age well. And I'm sure people will remind him of that. As it, as it was, it, by the way, as I want to give credit. On. I want to give credit. That was Zach Royce on Twitter. So, nice. Zach, uh, thank you for reminding us once and for all on that. Nice. You know, I see a lot of, you know, Woody is killing it. And you're right. You know, the narrative, even from the beginning, when Mike Woodson was kind of being discussed as a coach, it's like, well, is this older NBA coach going to be able to recruit? And, you know, look, I, I, I was, you know, pretty forceful about that. Even when that first came up, I, did, I just didn't think that was true because, you know, the things that players look for now when they're going to a school, I mean, Indiana has a lot of those built in just because of the history, the tradition, you know, facilities that are improving all that, but also then Mike Woodson's history in the NBA and being able to develop guys, that was always going to be appealing. Let's also not overlook the impact of Kenya Hunter, who is just awesome and is really... Kenya Hunter's probably the MVP of this program over the last two years, given what he's done in terms of being a stabilizing force during a coaching change, helping to keep current players there, helping to bring in more talent. Kenya Hunter has just done an unbelievable job. And so, yes, Mike Woodson is killing it. And maybe Mike Woodson gets some of these recruits without Kenya Hunter. But boy, having Kenya Hunter as your lead recruiter is, I mean, it's pretty, it's kind of a cheat code right now because Kenya's just doing an unbelievable job. And look, hat tip to Archie Miller, who brought Kenny Hunter on staff. Yes, thank and, you, Archie. <laughs> uh, but, but look, a bigger a bigger hat tip, I guess, to Mike Woodson, who didn't have to keep Kenny Hunter on staff, but saw very early, I think, that this is a guy who has the right connections and knows how to handle them. And, you know, I mean, this is a long-term commitment. I mean, you know, Kenny Hunter had a relationship with Hood Shafino when he was at UConn and, and was one of the first people that – he connected with when he got to IU from what I read. And so, yeah, I think you, you have to look at this and, and look, the, the whole idea that you need someone who understands how to recruit effectively at this level is frankly something that you didn't get much of, uh, if uh, very little of actually during the Archie Miller era until the very end. And then you really didn't get a huge amount of it during the previous couple of coaching uh, uh, regimes either at IU. This is just not something that we've been, that used to, at least not consistently. So I am, I, I do go back to what you're talking about with the Woodson situation. And I say to myself, look, we all felt like this was likely going to be different than say St. John's hiring Chris Mullen or Rutgers hiring Eddie Jordan. I mean, and this was always the big complaint about the way that that got handled in the press by the national basketball media who, you know, if, if you're not aware, most of them have a um, like a professional obligation to prop up other coaches in the college coaching industry. And there's kind of this built in almost like um, it's like an, it's like an immune system reaction when somebody outside of that, who doesn't have that experience comes into the fold. And so it's, you know, it's easy to take shots. And, you know, in, in April, how are you going to be able to say much of anything counter to that other than, well, we think you're wrong, but I think IU fans have gotten some, uh, some evidence this month that things are indeed potentially going in the right direction, whether it was this recruit committing today, whether it was the way that the team looked in their games down in the Bahamas and, and just the, the upper levels of energy and defensive uh, you know, attention that this team is paying to playing basketball, obviously still a long way to go. But you know, I'm really excited about this commitment in particular, Jared, because I think it does highlight that A, IU can recruit these types of players successfully. B, IU can recruit players from places where they haven't traditionally gotten them. I mean, the idea that you're pulling in a guy from Montverde Academy, uh, that's a big deal because... One year after getting Tamar from IMG. Yes. And and this is an area 
that IU has needed to get into. If, if IU basketball wants to compete at the level that everybody says that they want to compete at, you want to compete with the Kentuckys and the North Carolinas and, and the teams in the upper echelon of college basketball, this is where a lot of those players are coming from. And this is where a lot of players who are going in the top 10 of the NBA draft are coming from. Cade Cunningham came from this academy, and he was the number one overall pick this year. Uh, IU's got to play in that playground. They've got to be in that environment. And it's important that you be able to go out, get that kind of a player. That player comes in, has a good two, three years, uh, you know, however long they're here. And suddenly this becomes an acceptable place for that caliber of player from that background to be able to come and play. And so a lot of really important potential things as we move forward with all of this. Yeah. Um, you know, a, a big commitment is not official until Kenya Hunter has tweeted. And uh, Kenya Hunter's tweet in this case is a gif of Kobe Bryant with big eyeballs, which is very, very appropriate. Uh, <laughs> if you were able to watch the video of, of Jalen Huchifino's commitment video. And so Gail and I, you know, we were kind of, we were here on StreamYard kind of watching the whole thing play out. And, you know, the CBS kind of dragged it out and they bring in Jalen Huchifino and he talks and they bring in Eric Bossy and they're, you know, they're, they're trying to drag this out as long as possible. But then they went to the commitment video and my cynicism immediately was melted away by what was a really touching video, I thought, um, with Jalen Huchifino in his Kobe Bryant jersey talking about how much Kobe has meant to him. It's 824. Obviously, those are the two numbers that Kobe Bryant wore. Um and, you know, had video of his mom, who was an athlete playing basketball, had video of his uh, sister talking about how they're his why. It was a really, really cool video um, to see. And so, you know, so now we have a backcourt of guys who grew up idolizing Kobe Bryant. <clears throat> it's not bad. <laughs> not bad for your, your basketball mentors to be Kobe Bryant. But, but actually, I think what that shows and one of the reasons why I'm, I'm really excited about this, and we'll talk about Jalen Huchifino, the player here in a second, but you know, you have a guy like Tamar Bates, and I think we've all heard interviews with him, you know, kind of, you know, gotten to know him a little bit. And he just comes across as such a mature guy, but also with kind of a killer mentality as a player. And has talked a lot about the impact that Kobe Bryant has had. From everything that we've seen and heard about Jalen Huchfino, it's very similar. And one of the biggest things Indiana has been lacking is an alpha mentality in its backcourt. Who was the last guy that had it? Yogi Ferrell. <laughs> who was the last guard to lead Indiana to a Big Ten title, Yogi Ferrell. And we've had some, some nice guys. We've had some you know players who were skilled, different things. But look at who wins in college basketball. Look, what was the secret sauce for Baylor? They had Davion Mitchell, who was a badass, right? And so, you know, you need some of that in your backcourt. Look at the guys who, you know, the teams that have been really good in the Big Ten of late have had those kind of alpha mentalities in their backcourt. And so now I think when you look at, you know, what we expect Tamar Bates to bring this year for Indiana, what the kind of mentality, you know, same thing with Xavier Johnson. That's why a lot of people were bullish on him. Similar with Jalen Huchifino. It really feels like this staff is targeting not just a particular type of player, but they're able to connect with a particular type of mentality that I think is really going to bode well for what you need to win in college basketball. And that to me is really encouraging because it's not just assembling talent. You've got to assemble talent, build a culture, have the right mentality and when that mentality is coming from the guys who have the ball in their hand, nothing against Trace Jackson Davis, who I think has done his best to lead Indiana as best he can. It's just harder to do that when you're a big guy in college basketball. You really need that to come from your backcourt. And the profile of the program Indiana's building is a backcourt-driven team. Yeah, well... And, look, that, and it, that's what wins. I mean, 
you know, drummers might be the most important uh, figures in, in like a rock and roll band. But what really makes you remember a song is generally the singer and the lead guitarist, because that's the, those are the parts that stand out. And that's the, the, how it is with guards. I mean, you know, they're the ones that have the ball in their hand the most. They're the ones that are, you know, not always doing the most scoring, but tend to do the most shooting. And so I think everything you just said there is 100% correct. I'll also say a couple of other things on top of that. One, the idea of having some versatility in terms of what you can do. Your combo guard used to be a dirty word when it came to players because it basically meant, well, they're neither good enough to be a point guard or good enough to be a shooting guard. I don't get that sense with uh, with Jalen Huchifino. You know, I, I mean, granted, it's, you can only get so much out of watching YouTube highlights and things of that nature, but even the, the general comments are – this is a guy that he'll, he's, he makes decisions. He goes out and does what he needs to do. He's not afraid to shoot the ball. He can shoot the ball percentage-wise. I mean, uh, you know, the numbers that he has put up have, have been pretty good from a percentage perspective, and I think that that's really important because that tends to breed uh, situations where that continues on into college. I mean, it's, it's hard to be a poor shooter in uh, the prep school level and suddenly turn it on once you get to the next level of things. And so – that all I think is important, but you, the mentality thing's important too. And it does feel like for a while, IU basketball has had talented players who sometimes lacked the spark or the, the, the almost the, I guess the alpha instinct. I kind of don't like that psychological phraseology, but I know what you're sure. talking about. But the, the idea of being um, on top of the game as opposed to kind of waiting for somebody to lead them. And within this player, it doesn't seem like that's a big deal. Like this is a player that wants the ball in their hands, but is also able to pass the ball off to somebody else and, and is willing to be decisive. And you just have to have that in guards. Like you can have an average guard from a talent perspective if they have the right mindset of what they're doing. And, you know, as big of a concern as that position was when you looked at the future – now, you know, you look at you've got competent guard play this year between transfers and players coming back, and you've got now the heir parents coming in, and they seem to have all of the characteristics that you would want to continue on and, and actually build upon what you hopefully will see over the course of this upcoming year. So, yeah, I think it's certainly something to be excited about. We know a three-digit number doesn't tell your story. That's why every Progressive Leasing approval is no credit needed. Shop your favorite stores with Progressive Leasing to get what you need, such as furniture, laptops, headphones, jewelry, mobile phones, appliances, mattresses, and more. Progressive Leasing obtains information from credit bureaus. Not all applicants are approved. Progressive Leasing offers lease-to-own purchase options, acquiring ownership by leasing costs more than the retailer's cash price. Visit progleasing.com to get started today. Yeah, you're right. You know, that term alpha gets thrown around a lot, and that might not be the right way to to phrase it. But, you know, think about back when Tom Crean was rebuilding Indiana. You know, and you had that great recruiting class with Christian Watford and Cody Zeller and Jordan Hulls and Maurice Creek. You know, he had rebuilt the talent at that point, right? And, you know, but things really changed to the next level when you brought in kind of the swagger and the confidence of Victor Oladipo and Will Sheehy, who kind of had that mentality, like you said, where they are they're they're taking control of the game when they get in there right now for better or worse maybe earlier in their career right when they made a lot of mistakes and you know these obviously Huchfino Tamar Bates they are high lo- higher level recruits than those guys should be able to come right in and produce at a more efficient level early on 
but still kind of have that same mentality where it's just like, well, okay, these guys are a little bit different, you know, in mentality. And then they obviously meshed well with everybody else who was around and we know what happened with the teams moving forward. Um, but you've got to have some of that. And I think it's just, it's something that's been missing from the program. Yeah. And it's, no, you know, it feels like it's Miller cop is a guy like that, who I think has some of that mm-hmm. we're learning, you know, and then that's, that's kind of what Indiana has needed. And so, Let's talk a little bit about Jalen Huchofino as a player. Yeah. You know, now look, neither one of us are recruiting experts, um, but I think we've read enough and seen enough to at least be able to give kind of a general overview of what he brings. Um, and you know, you all know whenever I do these, I always see you know Indiana recruits kind of through the prism of past players. I like to just kind of make some of those comparisons, just because it gives a frame of reference, not because it's ever a perfect comparison. Um, you know, but Shafino as a as a guard, to me, he's a bigger guard. He's like six five. And when you ask him in interviews, you know, people ask him, like, who is your game? You know, who do you play like? And the guy he often says is Jason Kidd. Uh, and that's not an awful comparison. You know, he's I would say he's got a really good mid-range jump shot, you know, not a great three-point shot, but kind of a capable three-point shooter. But he's a really good passer, and he's got a clear bias toward attacking the defense and getting into the lane. Like almost you watch him and almost every time he gets the ball, his instinct is to just go as far as the defense is going to let him go. And if he can get all the way to the lane, he's going all the way to the lane. He's actually pretty crafty at finishing uh, in the lane. Not an overly impressive athlete, but kind of a strong, sturdy build and a little bit of like a street ball mentality when he gets around the basket that he's got different ways that he can get the ball up on the rim and finish, which is nice to see. But he can also pull up, and he's pretty good, it seems, at you know reading pick and rolls and kind of making the right decision there. And then also, you know, you watch a lot of videos, you don't see a ton of defense, but from everything I've read about him, a good, solid, sturdy defender who, like all freshmen, will have to get better, you know, as a defender. But I think profiles as a guy that can probably guard three, maybe four positions because he is taller. Well, so, he- you know, I, I think you know guys you want to you want to think about, you know, from a mid range game you know, reminds you a little bit of Verdell Jones when he pulls up from the mid-range, you know, very capable there. In terms of his size and being able to rebound, but be a good passer, there's a little Robert Vaden. If you guys remember Robert Vaden and what he did, you know, in a couple years at Indiana as a taller guard. Um, But then from a mentality perspective, you know, I kind of sense some Yogi in him just that when he's got the ball, he's in charge and he's going to probe the defense and try and get into the teeth of the defense as much as possible and then make his decision. And one of the things he has talked about is that his coaches at Montverde kind of want him now to be more aggressive as a scorer, where he's always been a little bit more of a, you know, try and create pass to other guys. Um, but I, I love that about him, that he gets the ball and he's just looking to attack. Not passive, he is looking to attack. And, you know, so if you can surround him with shooters and, you know, some other guys who can who can be secondary attackers, he profiles obviously really good as a point guard in the Big Ten. So a lot to like. I think, you know, to me, the ceiling for him as a player is going to be determined by how good of a three-point shooter he becomes and how consistent his three-point shooting is. You know, I tried to look at some of the stats from his high school stats and his EYBL stats and the shooting numbers. They were kind of hard to find, and they were a little bit all over the place, so I don't know exactly what to what to think there. But Ryan will probably talk on the scouting report. You know, his it seems like his form on his three-point shot is just a little bit inconsistent. You know, sometimes he's fading away. He can just, but on his mid-range, it kind of looks like everything is really buttoned up. Um, and so that's, that's something that a lot of guys have to have to adjust strength. He'll obviously need to get stronger. You can say that about all freshmen, but especially with how he likes to finish in the lane. Um, and then, you know, time will tell how good he is on defense and how ready he is from day one there. 
but he absolutely seems like a guy that I don't think anybody would be surprised, depending on who stays and who goes, if he steps in and is starting as a freshman, or at least playing significant minutes. I think that's the expectation. And based on what you see from him, that seems fair. He's yeah, got he's I got mean, a mature game, I guess is what I'm saying for a high school. He does. Well, and, and it's interesting because it seems like he's grown a little bit uh even since last year. I think you know, most of what I was reading about him as a junior, he was listed at 6'4", 185, and then the most recent listings I've seen now he's 6'5", 210. So, I mean, is he done growing? Um, he's certainly filled out uh, muscle-wise, and that's going to help. I mean, uh, one of the descriptors I read on him was, you know, he's got a, a college-ready body, which is oftentimes a problem uh, when you don't have that with uh, high school players because they have to put on muscle. We've seen that with several IU players. I did too, but it was in a different sense. Right? Yeah. No, you're you're uh, you got your college body at uh, Gresham uh, yeah. as opposed to at the weight room. But um, you know the, the the idea that you have a, a big physical guard. I mean, two hundred ten pounds, six five. I mean, that's that's sizable, and that's you know it, the thing I think that's most interesting about the film is he's very deliberate with all yes. of his actions on the floor. And I am interested in seeing how that translates to the, the speed of the college game, because, yeah. you know, what you do see, and, and I think sometimes we will conflate speed and athleticism a bit too much and just assume that one leads to the other. You know, you, I mean, Charles Barkley was a great athlete, but he wasn't necessarily the fastest person in the world uh, or the most, you know, the, the most fleet of foot. Uh, so I am interested to see how the way that, uh, that Jalen plays at the college level ends up translating. And, you know, that might be a big area of his game to work on. I am curious, I think, probably the most about his defensive abilities and, and what he brings to the table. It's hard to get a sense for that with a lot of players uh, at that level. But I think playing at you know, the prep school level, that there would have been a lot of exposure of that already because you're playing against so many other players that are of a high uh, talent caliber. So, the size will certainly help. And if you've got a situation where you've got a 6'5 or potentially 6'6 player uh, matching up at the two uh, or even at the three, I mean, there could be uh, both a size and just a, an overall uh, weight advantage there. And so that could potentially help. Um, and look, ultimately, like you said, I think so much of this comes down to mentality and comes down to this idea of uh, a player coming in and feeling confident in various aspects of their games. And, and that, you know, the lackluster nature of IU's backcourt play over the last few years, I think it'd be attributed more to, you know, sometimes a lack of confidence, lack of self-confidence, lack of confidence in what the offense was asking them to do. And that is going to still be the big question mark with Woodson's offense as we see what that looks like. But if this is the kind of player that Woodson feels like he should bring in to play his offense, that's that's a good sign because this is the type of player you'd like to see in the backcourt because this is the type of player that can win you physical battles and ultimately win you, you know, games and, and championships. Yeah. You brought up a good point there about the athleticism too. That was the one thing I was thinking watching him is, you know, it, it, it clearly is really important for him to be able to get into the lane as it is for any ball handler, you know? And again, he's, he doesn't jump off the page as this great athlete. Like he doesn't have the first step that Victor had say, you know, so how does that translate to college? And I'm sure there will be a, you know, a transition period for him as he's going up against even more athletic guys and he's improving his own, his own athleticism, you know, that, that'll probably be something that he'll have to adjust to because he won't be able to just get in the lane quite as quickly in college as he is, you know, clearly in, in high school. Um, 
but boy, he does a whole lot of things <laughs> to be excited about. Good passer, good vision, all those things um, are real positives for him. You know, I, I remember a time when, you know, a recruit like this would commit and you'd start having fun projecting out rosters and rotations like a year, two years, three years in advance when you had some reasonable expectation of what a future roster might be. And now that just seems silly because who knows, you know, like is Xavier Johnson going to come back? You know, what, you know, could Tamar Bates blow up and go to the NBA? Like, you know, people transfer. I mean, it's just rosters are so transient these days that it's really, it's really hard to project forward. Um, I would say he, when you look at the types of guys that go professional early, he doesn't strike me as the profile of a one and done. Doesn't mean he couldn't be that, you know, same with Tamar. Both of those guys seem like they'll be at least two-year players um, at a minimum. Timelines can change. You know, yeah. we know that. And, and that that's with transfers and with, you know, going going to the to the pros. But, you know, it's interesting. I think one of the questions that people are going to naturally ask about this is, wow, you know, another high-profile guard, you know, what does this mean for Christian Lander, who was such a big recruit for Indiana for so many reasons? Because he was a really talented player, you know, comes from the state of Indiana, reclassifies, and then obviously has the struggles that he has, you know, last year. And, you know, we're having this conversation now, you know, just on the heels of him not playing a ton in the Bahamas. And I think what it does is it really allows the coaching staff to be patient with Christian Lander's development. Whereas at, when you left last season, you really kind of looked at it as, okay, well, without knowing what other pieces get filled in, boy, he's got to develop a ton for this team to have a chance because we need guard mm-hmm. play. Well, now that's not necessarily the case. Now, the question is, you know, how patient does Christian Lander want to be with his own development? But the staff is now, you know, whereas last year you kind of felt like you had to rush him in some before he was ready because you just needed some playmaking help. You just needed a spark. That's not the case now. But, you know, his is is his talent going to be able to develop where he's the player that you think he's going to be? It's going to have to now because there's a lot of talented players on the roster. But it's no longer a necessity. You can be patient with it um, because you've actually got some other guys, some other talented players who can do some of the things he can do. That's what we talked about with Lander a lot of times last year. It's like, well, he can do stuff that no one else on the roster can do. you got to give him a chance. But now you've got some other guys who can do some of those things. So it just changes the equation a little bit, I think, for them and maybe how they handle his development. Yeah, I mean, and we've got Dustin here who can give us a hey. lot more on in particular. I will <laughs> say one thing real quick on that front. I mm. I don't know that, I mean, I don't know that there's a discussion point about the IU basketball program that interests me less right now than Christian Lander's spot on the roster. Um, It's, I think it was a bigger point last year, but I think the roster construction has been bad the last several years. Uh, Now that doesn't mean that Christian Lander can't turn into a a very good player down the road. But at this point, I think the cream will rise to the top with whatever roster there is. And I'm not that, look, in in an era where, you have freedom of player movement in an era where you, um, you're bringing transfers in on a regular basis, in an era where you're oftentimes remaking entire rosters on the fly. I know a lot of people were psychologically and emotionally invested in uh, Lander being a huge part of the IU roster, but that was a different regime. It was a different mentality about how to build a program. And I almost even argue that when that commitment happened, it was still not quite fully the, you know, the era of transfers in the way that they're working right now in terms of roster remaking and everything in the post-COVID era. So, look, I, 
I wish everybody on the roster nothing but the best of success, and I hope that they develop into the best versions of themselves while they're in college. But I also think that ultimately if a player is good enough to be on the floor, they're going to end up on the floor. And if not, that's – I mean, we spend more time talking about the the lowest uh, ranges of the roster now than we ever did 20, 25 years ago. Uh, and I don't know that that's necessarily for the better. Are you saying Malcolm Sims wasn't constantly being talked about in 1993? That wasn't. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm very much. I think, in, if, <laughs> and I've never met Malcolm. I'm not even sure if he's uh, if, he, if he's still in basketball. But I think if he hadn't been on the schedule poster, I don't know that most <laughs> IU fans would have known that that they existed. You know, so that it, it, it is an interesting era that we live in now from that perspective as well. Yes. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations apply. When you need auto parts, O'ReillyAuto.com is just a few clicks away. We offer convenient options for you to get your parts quickly. Order online and pick up for free at your local O'Reilly Auto Parts store. We'll even bring it out curbside. Or you can have your parts delivered right to your door with free shipping on most orders over $35. Visit O'ReillyAuto.com. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. With over 30,000 partner retail locations nationwide, Progressive Leasing has helped more than 7 million people with imperfect credit get the things they need. With Progressive Leasing, you can enjoy convenient, flexible lease-to-own purchase options on furniture, laptops, headphones, jewelry, mobile phones, appliances, mattresses, and more. Get what you need when you need it. Progressive Leasing offers lease-to-own purchase options, acquiring ownership by leasing costs more than the retailer's cash price. Visit progleasing.com to get started today. Well, ladies and gentlemen, joining us from the Herald Times, the hey. great Dustin Dupirac. Dustin, congratulations, and uh, Thank you. welcome back to the show. Being back in the old old gig. Yeah, appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on, as always. Heck yeah. So what is your, uh, what's your initial reaction to the Jalen Hutchfino commitment? Well, yeah, no, I mean, big get, obviously. I mean, I think um, it, it definitely is one of those things that just sort of keeps momentum going um, and just it's not necessarily things had slowed, but you kind of come out of the gate with with a lot of big hits, both in the transfer portal, and then you get to Mar Bates, who's a five star guy, and it slows a little bit. You you kind of go a while without really hearing uh, Indiana uh, doing anything big. But I thought Caleb Banks was a really big get myself. I, I still think that guy uh, has a chance to be special. I mean, I, I I I'm not sure what holds him back. I guess I keep looking at film and thinking what what is the downside of this guy? Why is he still, from a rankings perspective, sitting around in the 120s? I mean, I guess it's a lack of um, what's the word I'm looking for? I, I I don't I don't know that he's assertive enough yet as a as a sort of big dog guy based on what everybody is saying. How coaches talk about him, I think they, they they're like he he's not used to knowing that he's got to be the guy. He's just figuring this part out, um, which might be an issue for the future where you have a situation where maybe he's you know, lacking in, um, you know, killer instinct or whatever. It might just be him growing into it. And then in, in a couple of years, you're seeing him as an all big 10 caliber player. Uh, I, I think the latter is certainly possible, but you know, you, you hadn't necessarily seen a, a big sort of win on the radar from Mike Woodson in a minute. It, it, it doesn't, it, it feels like longer than it really is. Um, but th- this is definitely one that stands up and makes everybody look like, Whoa, 
hey, you know, and because you're not just getting a five star guy, it's getting a five star guy out of a Monteverdi Academy, a guy who um, grew up in Pittsburgh, lived in Charlotte. He's one of these more sort of transient players that is that is becoming uh, more of the norm in, in 21st century basketball. It's not all guys that, that grew up in the same area and are, are a big deal. I mean, they're used to being able to get in, get in state players like this. They're not necessarily used to getting out of state players like this. Again, again, guys at Monteverdi who are getting literally every single school coming in the door to try to recruit their guys. Um, so it, it, it is it's a recruit that matters from that perspective, from the, you know, just just overall, like, uh, you know, Mike, Mike Woodson momentum perspective, how, how you know, what is this guy going to be? Is, is Are people going to want to play for him? But just from an on the court perspective, I mean, like the you imagine Hood, Shafino and Bates together. Uh, for a year. And that's really, really dynamic. The guy obviously can score, he can pass, uh, you know, basically what you keep hearing from, you know, I know uh, Eric Bossy was saying it on the announcement. I, I talked to his AAU coach Norton Hurd last night and he said the same thing was that he is a point guard at heart. He wants to get guys involved. Uh, you see some of that in his tape, a guy who wants to pass the ball, wants to involve people. Good chance you're going to see that this year. I mean, I imagine a Charlotte, he was probably the guy uh, at Monteverde. It, there's going to be a lot of dudes. I mean, I think he's the fourth ranked player uh in the class on his team uh he, he's 23rd and there are three guys ahead of him on this team just in the class of 22 they probably have more dudes in 2023 i mean like you just presume that there's an endless um you know string of you know top 10 top 20 talent coming into montverde montverde at this point um i call it montverde i don't know i have no idea how you actually pronounce it the point of the matter i'm not like, sure he's Mount, going to have to get montverde used to just him. sounds weird it seems too abrupt Mont, yeah, it sounds like Mount Bird, and it's more like I, I thought yeah. it was Mount Montverde. I thought there'd be some sort of you know uh, Latin language to it. Galen's yeah. talking. Can we can we just right. call it Green Mountain? Would that be? That's easier? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what I mean. That's what it means, right? I mean, that's yes. I think that's what they're getting at. I don't know if there are any green mountains in Florida, but okay. Yeah, um, but yeah, I, mean, I, I think you know he's going to have to learn to distribute. Um, I mean, not learn, but he's going to have to distribute in this role that he's going to be in this year. Uh, I think he's going to have to start a point because I, I think Sky Clark, their top 10 kid, had an ACL tear in July. So he's going to have to be the guy at point guard. Um, and he's going to have to put the ball in the hands of, you know, ball in the hands of guys like Duke Whitehead, who's going to Duke. Um, and some, I don't know, there's some other loaded players in that group that team that I'm forgetting, but um, uh, I, I think he, he's going to fit what they want. Well, he's going to be a guy that's, I think going to do do well in a position where he's asked to be creative uh, as a point guard um, and play in an open floor. Uh, he seems to really fit what Indiana wants. Uh, Indiana seems to really fit what he wants. It's just, it, it is a really, uh, I think really big, important get uh, for Mike Woodson at, the, at this stage in, in his beginning. What do you think keeps him from being a five-star? Is it the lack of upper-tier athleticism and the inconsistent three-point shot? Because those kind of seem to be the two things that stand out that would, mm -hmm. you know, probably, that probably separate him from like a surefire, you know, five-star. Yeah, no, I think so. I, I think the shot is something that he's been working on that wasn't always there, uh, apparently, from what I've heard. It's, it's, it's something that is coming along. He's not necessarily a, a, a lights-out shooter, but you see the ranges there. You see he's capable of making the shot. You know, I, this, you know Norton Hurd told me last night, he says, you, you know, you leave Hood Shafino open. Good luck. You know, like if, if that's how you think you're going to play him, uh, go for it. Give it a shot. See how that treats you. It's not going to treat you particularly well. Now, that is, does that mean he's going to hit 40 percent with a hand in his face? Probably not. Um, but, you know, he is a guy that it's got the range, got the ability to shoot the basketball. Uh, one of those point guards that can score at all three levels. And that and that, and that really matters. And that's something that, that Indiana hasn't had an abundance of. Armand Franklin was a guy who could do that last year. I think Tamar Bates is a guy who, who might be able to do that. 
Johnson to a degree, maybe kind of. He's not a, a by any means a consistent three point shooter, um, but Huchafino is probably more of that. And, and as I think his athleticism is very good. I don't think it's off the charts good. I, I think that's that's what's holding him back from being you know in that Sky Clark Duke Whitehead you know one and done certainty kind of level. Man, to your point about that roster, they might not need a guy who you know they could use him for two years. You know, that's yeah. not that's not the worst case scenario is have a dude that, that is not in and out immediately. That that's more along the Trace Jackson Davis scale of get there. You know, obviously he's he's thinking NBA the whole time, but you have a chance to keep him and develop him instead of knowing you're gonna lose him right out of the gate. Absolutely. You know, you brought up a good point too about just the roster depth at Montverde. And Galen, I think you alluded to this. You know, one of the nice yeah. things, especially I think as you're building rebuilding a culture like Mike Woodson is when you bring in guys where they're playing on rosters that loaded in high school, they clearly are not averse to competition because they've had to do it. Like they haven't just been the guys on their high school teams that are, you know, given the ball, their, their spot is set because they're clearly the best player. And there's certainly something that you learn from that about being the leader and being the top guy. But in terms of preparing you for college, you know, going to these prep schools and playing with rosters that are loaded with college players, I mean, you got to bring it every day in practice just to get on the court. Um, and that I think has to help, you know, getting more guys like that in there has to help, you know, kind of rebuild the culture of competition and, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of earning your spot. And, you know, so I think that'll, that'll be a positive too, uh, for the staff bringing in a guy like, like Hood Shafino. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, it's, it's a very interesting, I think, I mean, th- these are the sort of schools that, that have only existed for so long. Right? I mean, there's obviously a place like Oak Hill, um, but it's it's just a different level of recruitment going on. You know, the IMGs, all the mirrors, uh, you know, it, it is, it's just not anything normal like we're used to. I mean, even what you see in like kind of D.C. and New Jersey Catholic schools, uh, there's something like that. There's there's some, you know, um, uh, similarity. But this is another level when, when basically your season is based on this tournament you go to at the end of the year and everybody's there. Um, and there's just such a, a loaded group and it is, it, it is like college. It is probably a boarding school. You're probably actually living out of a dorm at 16 or 17 or whatever. Uh, so, so much of what you're going to have to do that you're beginning. And, and, and there's probably, I'm sure there's some things that you miss. I'm sure that there are things that if you're, you know, like, uh, if you're an Indiana public school, if you're a DC Catholic school or something like that, you'll say, you know, this is, this is what you're missing. There's something else to this. There's, there's more of, um, uh, th- there's more rivalry here. You know, there's, there's more of a, um, you know, a microscope on you where, where they're sort of not at these schools, you know, that you're sort of in a separate place and, you know, I mean, everybody knows you're there. Um, but you know, is, is anyone covering your games necessarily? Uh, it's, it's just a different universe that, that ever, ever, anything that we're used to seeing, but like you said, the competition is so high, they're going to have to get used to this. I mean, you know, I mean, Huchifino is not going to play with a guy who is as ranked as the guys he's going to play with at Montverde. You know, unless Indiana gets somebody a couple of years from now, when he walks in the door, there's not going to be a player uh, that was, you know, he will be at you know, probably the highest rated guy as, as far as how he was recruited when he gets to Indiana. Um, so he's going to be used to more than what he's seeing there. And that's going to be pretty wild. I mean, he's probably going to be asked to do more uh, and score more and call his own number more uh, when he gets to Indiana than he will be at Montverde this year. Do you, it's so early in the NIL era and mm-hmm. we know that NIL is going to affect recruiting because in some ways it brings some of the stuff that used to be under the table above the table in a perfectly legal way now. 
Right. Do you get any sense? Have you heard anything about how that's affecting you know recruitments like Jalen Hutchinson's, which obviously the recruitment started under the old rules and now things have changed so quickly. Do you know or get a sense of how I, that's I affecting been, things at all? And I think, I, and I think the thing is, is that there are just so many moving parts to this. I think people were just just starting to get the question, you know, figure out what questions to ask. Um, you know, for, for one, I, I think Indiana can at least check the boxes of, you know, we have been dedicating time to getting ready for this. You know, we, we're, we're investing in finding ways to making sure your uh, brand is as good as it can be. You know, we're, we're partnering with uh, Open Doors and, and, and these kind of companies to get you ready. Um, and so that, I think, is the baseline basic, though. I mean, I, I think that's, you know, in, Indiana's not the only ones that are doing that. I think they were ahead of the game on that. But everybody else did it, too. Uh, eventually. Uh, I don't know if Indiana was first. I don't know who was first, uh, but I think Indiana has been, been preparing this for a year, but I mean, I think everybody else has been at least preparing it for it for six months. I don't know that. And, and I don't know that there's that much of a head start. I don't know that there's that much you can do. I, I think it just, you know, it, it is hitting the air now. Um, and that, that's the thing is like for, for whatever, you know, whatever you were going to do to prepare it, like you had to sort of put it out in the world and figure out where it was going to go, who was going to call, who was going to want you to do things, what kind of time that was going to take out of your day, what kind of, uh, return on investment there was going to be. Um, I think it, it, you won't know for, I don't think a year, at least maybe more than that. Um, you know, what one, what best practices are and two, you know, uh, like, I don't know if parents are going to know what questions to ask. I mean, I think they know that this is something that matters, that it's important. Um, but you're, you're just not going to know all the moving parts of like what actually leads to somebody maximizing, uh, their value on NIL. I mean, I think they know it, it, it is important to show that you're trying. It is important to show that you've thought of this, that you care about, the athletes being able to maximize uh, their, you know, revenue potential, their their income potential out of this. Uh, if you, sh- I think, if right now, if you show them you're, you you care, then you're on the level. You know, then that's about as on the level as you can be. It's a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, when you start to get a sense of what markets perform well. You know, what um, I, I think we have, we've had a lot of talk of well, what will ultimately be where will you be better off? Will you be better off in a big city where there's sort of all of these marketing opportunities? Are you better off in a small town where you're, you're the big fish where, you know, like if, if you're in Bloomington and, and every car dealership in town wants to have you run an ad, whereas like in Los Angeles, okay, how, how big of a deal are you if you're a, uh, you know, four-star recruit, you know, number 50 player coming into UCLA, how much does that matter when the Lakers are there and the Dodgers are there and the Clippers are there and, you know, the Rams are there and the Chargers and everything else. Like how much do you, how much sort of advertising revenue is there to be thrown around to a kid? Even, you know, uh, you know, maybe there's some from the quarterback at USC. How much is there from, again, a top hundred small forward who's going to start at, at UCLA, but isn't going to be an all American. Maybe it's the second team, all pack 12 guy. How much money is there for that guy? Is there more for a guy like that in Indiana? You know uh, that I think is going to be interesting to see how that all plays out and see what's there. You know, how much of it's just, just social media driven stuff Anyway, how, how much of it is there even for schools to do and, and how much does market even matter? Um, all of that, I think, will play out over a year, over a year, two years. And you start you're, once you see everybody know what questions to ask, then I think that is going to change the landscape and you're going to see who benefits and who doesn't. But I think right now, um, the, the most important thing is to is to show that you care. You're going to lose if you show you don't care. If you haven't invested in this, if you if you don't have a program to again maximize earning potential, you know, you partner with some of these programs, talk to them about it. You know, like I think Tom Allen said it, it that he had, they had a conversation about income tax. If you're not doing stuff like that to teach them about it, then you're falling behind. As long as you're doing that, you're on a level, but that will 
the the race will change eventually in a year when you start to see more things break down. I just saw someone pop into the chat that said, what is this pod about? I live in Bakersfield. This was randomly recommended. Look at that. <laughs> what is this pod about? <laughs> this is an NFT podcast, actually. Yes. So, yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Crypto talk coming up next. Um, Crypto, Galen. Yeah. It's not Bitcoin and Dodger. I don't even know what they're <laughs> Uh, Ethereum, get, get Ethereum, Dustin. Come on, get with the get with the program. Here. That's right. I know it's a um, thing. I don't know what it's going. Anyway, Galen, what are your what, what sense do you get about that and kind of the impact that you know? I mean, it's a it's a brave new world here in recruiting. I, I mean, I don't know if it's having that much of an impact. I think that it's. I think you don't want to go somewhere where there's no uh, program that you can take advantage of in terms of just having advice or having assistance. But I also would say that, you know, you're going to get wildly varying aspects of that pretty much everywhere across the country. And, you know, you've got, um, opportunities that don't exist in some places that do in others, but I don't think it had much of an effect here because, uh, you know, it wasn't even on the books three years ago, but uh, Kenya Hunter was recruiting uh, Jalen Hood Shafino, and that seems to be the most important pass through line on all of this. And so, look, I do think it'll have some effects in some spots as we go along with things, but I also would say that at this point, it's so uncertain, and nobody really knows what the marketplace actually looks like. And Dustin kind of alluded to that. Um, you could go somewhere that looks dynamite on paper and then you get there and it's actually not, but that may not necessarily matter because it's not something that has to be limited to local. It can be regional or national or what have you. And so, um, I think it's probably, if you like some parents may not want to send their kid or some kids may not want to go to a school that's just like, we're not going to let you do this, uh, any more than we absolutely have to, but most places that are in this game right now with recruiting, I don't think are having those sorts of conversations. Yeah. Nobody seems stupid about this. I mean, it, it's just like, if, if someone is, is not even promising you, like I think schools are smart enough to know, I, we're not going to deny you money that is yours, that is available to you and think that we're going to recruit you. Like you have power, you have the ability to choose where you want. And if we're going to tell you that you can't make money here, we're going to lose you. And you, you, you tack on also the transfer portal and the fact that there's not a penalty for leaving uh, and, and just, just everything that changes that way. There's just no earthly reason as a school for you to say, no, you can't do this. Now they might suggest like, Hey, look, like you, you got to get good before you're going to make any money. So you might want to wait on really pushing this and put your time into being good. Um, but you know, the opportunity will be, will be there when, when you get good. And I think to Galen's point, obviously, you know, the big money is in making the next level. Right. You know, that, that's, well, that's where the big money is. I mean, like th there's money here. It's, you know, I, and, and obviously we got, there are people that are making real money out of this that, that they're going to be able to not necessarily they're not they're, you're not paying your grandkids tuition with it. But, you know, you're setting yourself up very, very well to get started. But if you want generational money, you want to go be a pro. And that that yeah. ultimately is the big decision you make is saying, is this person who's coaching me going to turn me into professional? If that's something that, that I, that I see as possible for me, yeah. you know, who is that guy? And that's obviously what Huchifino was deciding. I want to be an NBA player. I look at Mike Woodson as an NBA coach. I feel like he can tell me how to get from point A to point B and everything else that I managed to make in between helps. That's nice. Um, but the money that I can make out of college and out of, out of NIL is not nearly what I'm going to make if I get to the NBA and stay there. 
you know, Good there's point. a lot more cash there. And it's like, so I, I, and I do think that, that, that players know that. And, and again, what, what is the first thing on their minds? First thing on the minds is who can make me a pro. Uh, I'd like to be, they, they all would like to be pros to some extent in college, you know, as much as they can, but the big piece is, can you be a professional at the next level? Uh, you know, cause that's, that's a different, different level. That's, that is, you know, that that's money that you can send your great, great grandkids to school. Yeah. So next up on the list now for Indiana is Noah Clowney, who is the next target for the class of 2020 power forward from South Carolina, who it seems like Indiana has a pretty good shot with. He's another guy, the 24-7 sports composite has him 70th, 24-7 sports has him 111th. But, I mean, I think kind of like Caleb Banks, he's regarded as being much more talented and having a much higher ceiling than that recruiting uh, listing may suggest. Dustin, do you have any insight on that recruitment and where Indiana stands with him? Because, my goodness, if Indiana can land Clowney too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, mean, I, I don't know. I, it's been a while since I talked to him. I think it was July, you know, so when I was still working for Daily Hoosier. And I, I can't remember if it was June or July when I got a hold of him. Um, but, you know, he, he seemed very, very interested and he seemed like he really fit. And from talking to the coaches around him, it seemed like Mike Woodson really wanted him, was really impressed. I think one quote I got from, um, I think, as AAU coach, he said Woodson was like, uh, Coach, I don't know what he can't do, but I'd rather find out in my program than someplace else uh hmm. basically it's, it's like just the like there's a lot of growth i mean i think um really i i saw a lot of similarities not in exactly the way they play but in the but in what their coaches said about them between um really the rosemond recruits which was banks phillips Clowney. uh those are kind of the three guys that you all see are like right out of the gate they had offered because just was like a I think these guys are really good. I've been around them being in Atlanta. You know, I, I've crossed paths with these players. These are players that you want. And I think they, it seemed like all of them sort of were, you know, the coaches talked about them similarly and the connections sounded very, very similar. Uh, first off, it's just that fact, you know, these guys go back with you here. Like this isn't something that just started when he got this job. Uh, the dude knows everybody in the Southeast as far as I can tell. Um, and you know, he is, he is extremely, uh, clued in there, but, um, you know, it, it, it sounded by all accounts to me that it, that it was, you know, that, that, that he's in, that they're in really good shape with him. I, I think he's you know, obviously he's down to four and, and I think all of those schools have a good argument for him too. I heard Virginia tech is doing pretty well in that recruitment as well. Um, but, uh, you know, I really impressed by him as a player, by what you've seen on tape and by what his coaches say about him, uh, has a little range, has a little face up mm-hmm. game. Uh, but just has off the charts athleticism, really good shot blocker, really good rim runner, uh, you know, just really athletic, big with with chance to sort of spread out uh, his skill set. Good, good handle for a big man, ability to pass the ball. Uh, you know, again, really good shot blocker, can defend a lot of positions, too, is a guy that you don't have a problem with in a pick and roll, uh, getting switched onto a one um, and being able to sort of trap that and blitz that and kind of stop that from getting past him. Uh, you know, just looks like a, a really, really good athlete. Seems like he would be a really good fit. I think out of every, you know, I I, I know Malik Renault, Renault I think, uh, you know, uh, trimmed his list down to seven and Indiana's on that. But I think Clowney's got to be um, the, uh, you know, just the, the main target now. And, and, and I think, if, if, if Clowney and Bank, Banks like maximize themselves, uh, you know, if, if, if everything it sounds like they're capable of comes to fruition, I think they got a chance to be really, really good players. So, uh, Galen, I want to let you get back to raking Kevin Warren over the coals here on Twitter. Um, hey, I, I, I think I'm proven I can do both at the same time. Okay. <laughs> um, 
Maybe we'll get into a little bit. bit it's so that. easy for Galen to do it that he doesn't even have to. Yeah, think. I don't. Yeah, my, I'm, I'm using like five percent of my brain on this right. Now, so. Apparently, he is too. Um, so let me let me ask you guys this question. It's kind of a concluding question for this conversation. You know, because one of the difficult things, you know, when you have a new coach, right? Everything is kind of fresh and new. The coach always has some type of compelling narrative that he can spin, and there's no real mm-hmm. counter to it because it's blue ocean. Like it has, you know, there's no wins or losses yet. Right. This is true with Archie Miller. This is true with Mike Woodson. It's true with almost any new coach, especially at a place like Tom Green, especially at a place Mm -hmm. like Indiana where the program sells itself. And now the coach can come layer his own narrative on top of it. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, at the beginning of that, you're kind of trying to separate what's signal and what's noise, right? You Mm -hmm. know, there was a lot of excitement at the beginning of Archie Miller's tenure, but that turned out to be more noise than it was signal. You know, when it came to Tom Crean, eventually that, you know, that obviously worked for a while and then didn't. So I'm just curious. And I liken it a little bit to Michigan, too, with Juwan Howard. You know, he came in and made a huge splash, made a lot of good hires, got a lot of big recruits. I wasn't buying it, but Mm -hmm. he's proven to be pretty darn good. And he's, you know, he's sustaining what John Beeline built there. So I'm I'm curious, again, I'll go to you first. You know, what sense do you get after a few months of Mike Woodson? You know, obviously things have been good, right? Are you... Is what you're seeing suggesting to you that it's more signal or kind of, you know, more noise? Like, are you seeing things that are sustainable that you're really buying into? Um, yeah. I know it's a difficult question to ask, but I'm no. just. Here's the thing. I think Tom Crean's pitch was all about trying to tell players what he thought they could do. I think Archie Miller, to some degree, was like telling players that I have a system that will work. Um Maybe there's a little bit of that in there, and I don't know the exact wording or whatever. I'm just trying to go off the overall aura. He was more telling them what not to do. Well, that's (laughs) – but I think – here's the thing. Everything I've heard about Woodson and all the reports I get on interactions with him is just he exudes cool. He exudes Mm. not cool like, hey, I'm not not stressed, but like he is like legitimately a cool guy. He is someone people want to be around. He has a gravitational pull to him. It's both authoritative, but also almost paternal uh, mm-hmm. with with a bit of uh, just street cred thrown mm-hmm. in for good measure. And you can go to this guy and hear him talk. And I think he, he'll tell you what you need to hear, but he'll do it in a way that makes you want to hear it. And that really resonates, I think, with a lot of the players that IU needs in order to get to the level of competitiveness. Now, you know, we've seen Archie Miller brought in good players, Tom Crean brought in good players, but they struggled to bring in enough of those players in the case of Crean. It was always like the Crean was up here, and then you had this group of players that might pan out, and most of them didn't to the degree that they needed to. And for Archie Miller, I don't think he brought in enough players that worked well with each other or with his system. Both of those things are still kind of in question with Woodson, but as of right now, what I see is a guy who's able to walk in and have a message and have an atmosphere around him that is appealing to players that are at the upper levels of the high school talent base. And I, and I just, and it seems like that's more consistent. Like even in the recruits that they've missed out on, they've been in the final five for some pretty, uh, pretty good targets. I think we'll see more of that increase as time goes by. So for me, I think it is sustainable. I think it's very unique. I mean, Woodson is a very unique figure. One of the top scorers in, the history of the program he's coaching at, but all of his 
successes that he can point to to recruits are going to be the things that he did with the Knicks or the things that he did with the Hawks. And, and he, and he's able to approach things in a way I think that just, and it's fascinating to me because like, I have this theory that I've been tossing back and forth with people, like how, how differently people age now, you know, Woodson, when he took over the IU program was older than Bob Knight was when he got fired by like two years. And yet Woodson feels like he's 15 years younger than Knight was at that point. Uh, Not even Knight, like when he was on TV in 2010, but like Knight in 2000, he just feels significantly younger. He feels like he relates so much better uh, and certainly looks like and feels like he relates better on the recruiting trail than either of the previous two coaches did. So I, I, I'm so far pretty optimistic about what we're seeing. This is a great day for Mike Woodson and his family. <laughs> Dustin, same question to you. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, it, 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 it's definitely signal as opposed to noise. Like, that's sort of definitely where I like come down on sort of the halves of that. Uh, you know, like you said, I, I, I think – as much as anything like Archie Miller sort of reminded me that like breaks are just really important. You know, it, it, you just, there, there is an extent to which uh, you got to be fortunate in in this game. And, and I think he put together a, a, what looked like a really good class on paper in 2018 did not pan out almost at all, um, almost entirely. And so, you know, uh, <laughs> we do too, Lisa. Um, but um we, he, uh, you know, like just things can go wrong and, and you could find yourself, you have a plan and then, you know, it's like you have a plan and then you get, then you get punched in the face. What happens? Uh, and, and that is kind of always sort of the question that comes out. I mean, I, I think there are uh, like right now, everybody's really happy to be there. Everybody is thrilled to be there. You know, Trace Jackson Davis is talking about like, like every day is way, rays of shun, sunshine and cook hall right now. Um, what happens when you lose? What happens when it doesn't come together as fast as you want? The good part is that the part that's sustainable, obviously, is they're playing a style that all of basketball is playing and is fun. Um, basically, like they, they, they more or less coaches in general have gotten out of the way of letting basketball be fun and just letting guys play the way they want to play. And that's it's and because that's happening everywhere. And you don't feel like you're making a mistake by running and, and shooting a bunch of threes and playing wide open basketball. Um, you know, that's what everybody's doing. That's what everybody sort of has, has to do. Everybody's leaning this way. And so it's, it, it is an easy sell right now. And Mike Woodson is, you know, he's been in the NBA. He knows this is what they want. He can just bring it over and it's fun. It's not like you're bringing over an old grinded out style of basketball in the NBA and saying, you guys need to learn how to grind. It's, it's really fun up there. Wait till you see how it looks in college, you know? And, and so that makes it kind of an easy sell. Now the issue comes is what if, they can't shoot. Th- what if they can't make threes? What if the, the floor does not spread out for them? Um, what if it doesn't work? Right now, they still only have two shooters they can that, that I think they can really trust in Miller, Cop, and Parker Stewart. I think those are two guys that are proven anywhere else of being guys that can hit three point shots, you know, continuously. So if, if if you're you're you know even if you're playing four out one in, if the opponents are defending you like you're a two post team because they're not going to send four guys out to the perimeter to guard you. If they're not going to go, go guard race Thompson out to 22 feet, you know, how does that change when you're not winning as much? You know, okay. When it's like, Whoa, I, I thought this was supposed to work. What happens then? That's a different ball game. Now haven't played any games yet might work out perfectly. They might, they might have a great, um, you know, sort of counter for that or, or, or way to operate, even if they're not getting threes out of the four position, they might still be fine. They might make adjustments that might work. Uh, it might all come together, there's, but there's still a lot that can go wrong, obviously, but at this point, everything 
is going right and, I, and what's sustainable is I think basketball is going to continue to go this way. And if you don't win this year and you continue to recruit for a four out one in team and you keep saying this is how we're going to play, this is how, we're, you know, it, it wears a little thin if you can't do it immediately. Um, but if you get there, eventually people forget that you weren't there when you started. People will forget that you had to adjust the roster you, you had at the beginning. If you eventually bring put together a team that can run, that can shoot, that can play wide open, um, you know, and, and you keep selling that and you, and, you, and you eventually get enough people to believe that this is how you're going to play. And then you start playing that way. Uh, then you can continue to recruit, recruit players because they're going to keep wanting to do that. It, it, and it is, you know, even if there is a counter to it, then more people start grinding it out. But you keep it wide open, you know, like you're still going to be able to recruit talent because that's how kids want to play because that is fun basketball. Well said. I think we underrate that Mike Woodson won in Atlanta and New York. He did. That's it's important. It's important. Well, some of us don't underrate it. Some of us have been talking about it. Other hosts who occasionally make appearances on the show underrate that. But I'll talk with him about that on Thursday night. Um, <laughs> Welcome back to the quickest podcast ever. Brought to you by Coles. Today's topic, fall style. Wait, wasn't it just June? Right? So I went to Coles. Of course you did. I got a cute Kara Santana for Nine West sweater for 25% off and a great pair of bands. Love bands. And save 25% on a champion hoodie for my husband. Ooh, sounds cozy. You should go. You'll get 15% off or 15, 20, or even 30% off with a Coles card. BRB. Select styles. Offers end September 26th. Champion coupons do not apply. Some exclusions apply. See store or Coles.com for details. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations apply. With over 30,000 partner retail locations nationwide, Progressive Leasing has helped more than 7 million people with imperfect credit get the things they need. With Progressive Leasing, you can enjoy convenient, flexible lease-to-own purchase options on furniture, laptops, headphones, jewelry, mobile phones, appliances, mattresses, and more. Get what you need when you need it. Progressive Leasing offers lease-to-own purchase options, acquiring ownership by leasing costs more than the retailer's cash price. Visit progleasing.com to get started today. Hey, Galen, you want to give us two minutes on what the hell's going on with the, what are we calling it the Big 32? Is it the pack? What it's, is this uh, new I think actually the, the accepted title is Sum 41 uh, because uh, uh, no. <laughs> I didn't make that up. Someone else made it up. No. But, um, anyway, yeah, there was a, a press conference that was just jointly held by the commissioners of the Big Ten, Pac-12, and ACC about this alliance that we've heard. Um, that's it. I, that's the tweet. I mean, there really, there was nothing came out of it uh, 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 by Dustin. Um, they, Dustin. they essentially came out and said that we have an agreement in principle to, to have like a scheduling agreement, but there's no signed contract. All three gentlemen went out of their way to say, well, you know, we trust each other. So there's no contract, which um, <laughs> now, you know what? As I said on Twitter, this now really explains why Kevin Warren so eagerly put Ohio State in the Big Ten title game in football last year, if that's his attitude towards agreements. Um, but, yeah, it's um, – unfortunately, I, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe there's some grand plan going on behind the scenes here that the three conferences have up their sleeve. But it certainly looks like 
um, something that was rushed out without a whole lot being attached to it and doesn't really seem to address a whole lot in terms of the power imbalances that are starting to pop up in college athletics. But we'll see. We will see. So, okay. Whatever. It's a good day for Indiana basketball. We'll focus let's focus on that. Let's focus on that. You know, I mean, it's <laughs> who knows yeah. what happens in the the broader ecosystem of yeah. of college sports. Although when I did see that, you know, the the Big Ten, the Pac twelve, and the ACC were going to have some announcement. Of course, thinking it was going to be interested. All I could think about is the remnants of the Big Twelve just doing their Michael Sarah walk somewhere yeah. in the American Southwest. <laughs> I think we've deduced that despite everybody saying the uh, the contrary, nobody really cares about the Big 12. Sorry, Big 12. Um, and also, you know, it's like this is, I don't know, the, I, who knows what effect this is going to have or anything. It's very strange. But there's just um, the the interest in power balance in college sports generally just extend to what's currently in your house. And uh, there there's not much of it. You know, you're going to lose 15 or 20 teams off the bottom. Unfortunately, eventually you're going to get to a point where that's going to start affecting uh, some of the teams in the conferences that have decided to ally today. So we'll see uh, if they've got something else up their sleeve. But the press conference today did not look good. Do you uh, last question for you? Like we often we kind of have a bias toward the times that we live in to say that, you know, or the print the, or a, a proximity bias to the current time where we think right. that, you know, it's the craziest time and there's the most upheaval. And this kind of feels like for college sports though, this is a pretty seismic like moment, doesn't it? With NIL, well, with all the conference realignment. It is. Um, and a lot of that you got to keep in mind is because so many of the structures of college sports should have organically evolved over the course of time. But there's been consistent efforts on the part of the people in charge of college sports really since 2000 or so when television money uh, started to increase and, and things really started to get professionalized on the business side of things to keep the status quo. And the idea was, hey, let's hoover up all of this cash that we're getting from our television partners and our corporate sponsors, but let's keep these, the financial arrangement so that we don't have to give money to the players. We don't have to pay taxes. We don't have to do all of these other things that businesses normally have to do when they're earning that much money. And so, yes, it is a seismic set of changes that seems like it's happening a short period of time, but there have been so many things that have happened over the last 12 years, really since um, that last big round of realignment, you've had attempts at unionization. You've had, you know, NIL and just player rights in general, slowly working their way through the court system. And it just kind of so happened that a bunch of stuff hit at once. And I think the pandemic, frankly, had a lot to do with that because a lot of colleges and a lot of conferences were suddenly like, whoa, we don't have as much money as we thought we were going to have. We got to start doing some things here. And so, yeah, it is it is a big time of change. Uh, but I do think that part of that is just stuff being um, suppressed far longer than it should have been and not being allowed to, to go organically. And also the pandemic really decided to you know, hit the accelerator pedal on some of this stuff. And bring it back to the subject of the show, Jalen hood Shafino. Is Scott more likely to call him Jalen Rose Shafino or Jalen Hurts Shafino first? He's, he's liable to just call him Jalen Shafino because as we learned with Hunter Mascara Perea, Scott's allergic to like announcing people's full names. It's fascinating. To me. Um, I'm glad I have a relatively simple name or I would have spent the last 12 years having my name uh, just you know, essentially cut in half for no good reason. 
Uh, well, Galen, thanks for jumping on on short notice. This is an exciting day for Indiana cool. basketball. Uh, Jalen Huchifino is a really good player. I think he's I think he's the type of player we're all going to really enjoy watching. He's got yeah. just a complete game, kind of an old school game in some ways, but a new school mentality. Um, and I think, man, if if he and Tamar Bates are your backcourt, uh, you're you're starting out pretty well. You fill in some pieces around those two talents, and you got a chance to be pretty good. It's a really nice early birthday present uh, for me, and it's also just a it's a great step for the program. And again, I think being able to have what is like some, a top ten recruiting class, maybe higher. We'll see what the final number ends up being. That's that's really impressive, and that is something that is a good way to start off your time at IU uh, for Mike Woodson. And so I'm really excited to see what they're able to build off of on this, but I'm happy to be able to enjoy this as the beginning of things because it does portend stuff going in a really good direction. Oh, hey, last thing. You and Scott have some events coming up. You want to mention yeah. those real quick? Oh, yeah, so absolutely. Know, so know when those are happening? Yeah, uh, though the big one, if you're in Bloomington, uh, and we're going to have social media stuff on this sometime this week. I'll probably put something out today. Uh, but we'll be live at Switchyard uh, in Bloomington. Uh, Six o'clock on Monday of next week, on the 30th of August, we'll be doing a live show talking IU football. So if you're in the area, please feel free to come by, support uh, – the podcast and support the folks over at Switchyard. And uh, we'll be having all of our IU football podcasts coming up over the course of the next couple of weeks as well. Uh, Scott's been uh, burning up the airwaves. Adam Rittenberg was on earlier. We had a big tailgate episode. Uh, I did hear, by the way, that there might still be some limited uh, concrete parking lot passes still available. You just need to call the ticket office. I got I got the checkup on that. Um, so I didn't want to scare people. I also got chided by my doctor today for, uh, suggesting that somebody make a sandwich out of pop tarts and bacon. Uh, so I, <laughs> I apologized to my doctor and I, uh, told him that I would correct my error on the podcast. So I'll be doing that on Crimson Cats as well, but certainly I, I don't want any of you to make that choice. Uh, please eat healthy. Um, don't eat pop tarts with bacon. That's, that's the message I have to bring to you all. Eat healthy most of the time, but when you're tailgating. Yes. By the way, I think Jen has a great new tagline for the end of your show is instead of C on the flip side, brand name chips. Brand name chips chips only. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's a funny thing. So uh, my mother-in-law came down a couple of weeks ago to watch the kids. My wife and I went down to the IndyCar race in Nashville and I, I came back and, and uh, you know, she had brought some of her own food and, um, and sure enough, there's like three bags of generic chips in the, in the pantry right now. And I'm just like, I can't get away from this stuff, seriously. So I might bring those to the first tailgate and just just hand them out to people. So I just yeah. imagine you just like flying into just a rage. <laughs> no, with the, with, it, with the generic chips. It was no, 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 no. Not, I'm I'm too gracious of a host to ever say that, you know. But yeah, I but it would be like a Will Ferrell SNL skit, you know, like you yeah. just can't handle the generic <laughs> chips. You just start yelling. Why do they keep bringing me these chips? Yeah, something like that. Um, no, it's uh, I. I, I'm always, I'm always, I just, I'm trying to get the message out early. And if, if people suddenly get the impression they shouldn't bring those, maybe it'll filter throughout the community. That would be ideal. Yes. All right. Well, Galen, thanks for hopping on. Thanks for everybody for being here live. Thanks to Jalen Huchifino for giving us good news to do an emergency pod about. Yes. And uh, thanks to Kenya Hunter for being awesome. <laughs> and, uh, 
And thanks to you for listening. We will see you guys Thursday night. Expect uh, Ryan. He's been a little bit under the weather. Um, you know, so if you want to send him a tweet, wish him well. He's uh, Ryan's not feeling well. So maybe maybe make him feel a little bit better. But he should be here Thursday night with an in-depth uh, scouting report of Jalen hood Shafino. So we will talk to you then. Who knows? We get another commitment from Noah Clowney. Then we'll do another one of these. <laughs> see y'all. Talk to you soon. Bye. At California's Great America, it's never too early to start thinking about next year's fun. That's why we're offering the lowest price of the year on a 2022 Gold Pass right now. That includes unlimited visits this year, so you can enjoy the Great Pumpkin Fest, Haunt, and Winterfest. Then unlimited visits next year to try new foods, enjoy festivals like Taste of Orleans, scream on our world-class coasters, and splash away at South Bay Shores Water Park, all for just $82 plus applicable taxes and fees. Hurry, offer ends October 31st, so get your Gold Pass now at cagreatamerica.com. It's amazing. In here. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.